strange stories of peculiar people and extraordinary events throughout history. This is Notorious Narratives. I have like sneezing impotence. Like I really want to sneeze, but I just <laughs> can't get there. <laughs> Got it. Hello and welcome to Notorious Narratives. I'm Jen. And I'm Robin. And tonight we're going to talk about the famous Shanghai Tunnels of Portland, Oregon. Ooh. So, Robin, what do you think of when you think of Portland? Oh, wow. That's, is that a trick question? It isn't. It isn't a trick <laughs> I question. I feel like this is a trap. All right. So, uh, voodoo donuts. Okay. Okay. A lot of bikes. Sure. A lot of scenery. Why? Oh, I mean, mostly I think of hipsters. I know, I was going to say that, but I thought it was a trick question. But I also think of all the many History Channel specials. Yeah, everything and is channels. in Portland and everything is beautiful and everything is goddamn gorgeous. It's also green. Oh, so green. So the other thing I always think of so is delicious. the tunnels that run under the town that are called, a lot of people call them the Shanghai Tunnels. I had no idea there was tunnels in Portland. Right. So Portland is also known as the Forbidden City. Get out. I know. Seriously? I know. The home of the hipster and the wow. um, fixed gear bike. It's all craft beer and oh, homemade honey. Homemade honey. Well, you know what I mean. Not homemade. Like Not like people make it. Organic. There's the box that they live in. I think that was... It's a box of bees. Just a box of bees. Hi, everybody. I'm Katie Segal. And I'm Kurt Sutter. And welcome to our new podcast called Pie. People, Influences, and Experiences. Yes, it's sort of the uh, get to know you at a deeper level, the who, what, when, where, and why you are, rather than what it is you do. Absolutely. We're not going to talk too much about what people do. We just want to know about their families, where they come from, you know, what shapes their parenting if they have kids, what shapes their marriages if they're married. We just want to be really nosy. We want to get in there. A deep dive into nature and nurture. And we started it because there are a lot of people that we don't know that we are curious about. Right. And I have no friends, so for me, it's, you know. Try like, to get them out of the house. Listen to it on whatever you listen to <laughs> podcasts on. Yeah, podcast, your, homecasts. Your, 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 your podcasting apparatus. Watch it on the YouTube. He's aging himself. All right, so, though beneath Portland, a hidden world exists below the businesses and the bustling city center. I, I, don't, I don't believe this <laughs> at, at all. So there's a group of passages that run underneath Old Town, um, which is also Old Town's also like the Chinatown area. And they connect all of the main businesses within that district to the Williamette River waterfront. Okay. So you these, still need, you still need to convince me. <laughs> so these tunnels were used to transport goods from ships that had docked in the river to the basements of the businesses. Okay, that okay. I understand. Yeah, so, yeah. Right. So that's what they're used for. It helped them avoid the traffic on the streets. They could do it at all hours of the night without disturbing the regular folk. Mm -hmm. Right. There's documentation of the tunnels in 19th century newspapers. So there's no doubt that the practice of Shanghai took place in Portland. Do you know what Shanghai is? No, but I've heard that being used right the term a, yeah like you got shanghai yeah so what shanghai actually is is the practice of capturing a person typically a man and rendering him either unconscious or incapable of dealing with his own faculties and signing him on to work on a ship and uh, then now he's signed to work on the ship and he's forced to do so for as long as the ship is going uh wherever they're so going this typically is like, a, like a davy's locker kind of a thing what's davy's locker when if you 
our forests stay on that ship forever and then it takes you down under the water and you live on that ship forever and i don't know you're gonna have to google it where like you you give your heart to the ship or whatever and then remove your heart and then you're just you belong to the ship and then take it so maybe that's like a metaphoric representation this is a legal representation so this was an actual legit like this is a legal legal thing oh my goodness All all right so strap in when you when you get that Google search up, you just I'm, let us I'm know. typing in da- Davy right. Jones. Oh, Davy Jones locker! It's a thing. <laughs> Never threw it in Google. Look at that. <laughs> it's it's the myth version of what you're saying. Okay, so in this scenario, they're working on the ship. They're not necessarily going to die and go down on the ship. All right, fine. I said go down on the <laughs> ship. Go down the ship. I just, said. you know what I mean. So, though the practice of Shanghai certainly took place in Portland, there's no evidence that it actually took place in those tunnels specifically. Uh, The legend states, though, that the tunnels which ran underneath all the boarding houses, bars, and brothels were actually used to transport men and women against their will into forced labor. Places such as Erickson Saloon, Snug Harbor Saloon, and Valhalla Saloon, which, if you notice the two Snug Harbor? There's a Snug Harbor everywhere, I think. (laughs) But I was captivated by the fact that there was an Erickson's and a Valhalla, and then I was like, there had to have been a significant amount of Scandinavian people in that area. I remember the name Valhalla a lot. Well, Valhalla is Viking heaven, Yeah, right? So that was also the name of my high school yearbook. Get out. We were the Vikings, and the yearbook was called Valhalla. I was the editor of the yearbook, so I know everything there is to know about the Northwest High School yearbook. Look at you. I mean, I've been a nerd for a long time, <laughs> is uh, <laughs> what we really need to discuss. <laughs> I may be painted like a hipster, but it's, it's all nerd <laughs> underneath. So the story actually appeared in the Oregonian in 1962. It was the first time that anyone had ever heard that these tunnels were used for this practice. Um, and it was completely propagated over the years by all of these popular tour companies that mm-hmm. would take people down into the quote-unquote Shanghai tunnels and they would just show them around and show them all the different ways that people were like trapped. So now I'm going to tell you a little bit about okay. the practice of Shanghai. Okay. We'll circle back to the tunnels. So yeah, from the years 1850 to 1941, Shanghai occurred frequently. It was uh, the illegal capture and sale of able-bodied men to a sea captain in need of a crew. And sale? They it was capture and sale. Like they would sell them for... So they were kidnapped and sold to captains for 50 to 50 $55 a head. So they were forced to work on ships that were bound for the Orient without pay. Um, oh, all right. The worst of this took place during the years of Prohibition. Though unsure if the practice actually occurred in the tunnels underneath Portland, it did actually occur in Portland very frequently. But it was not actually just happening to men, sadly. Um, it did also happen to women and they were sold into uh, like sexual slavery. The whole thing is about slavery. Right, yeah. So it's like it's all some sort of forced yeah, labor no, servitude. That's, that's crazy. Uh, women were warned not to go to dances, not to, and to stay out of certain establishments and neighborhoods for fear of getting um, knockout drops placed in their drinks. So even during Prohibition, you had to worry about getting roofied, wow. right? Except for getting roofied now, you know, not great. Getting roofied then, you end up on like a ship setting sail to like Asia where you're forced to be a a sex worker. Okay. You're All just right. sex sex trafficking. Um, the Portland tunnels supposedly made this practice very easy. Because the whole idea is that these tunnels ran underneath all these bars and brothels. So these people were just ripe for the pickings. So victims would be drugged, kidnapped, uh, while it, kidnapped while they were intoxicated, or simply just hit over the head. That knocked is out. insane. I never actually was taught history in that kind of section. It's always been north versus south. There's never been any type of difference between east versus west. You oh. know, it was never it was never a It thing. happened in New York too though. That I understand cuz Yeah. New York, Boston, Baltimore. Yeah. 
then I get because San Francisco, you learn about everyone, everyone coming in into New York Harbor and everything like that. Right. But Portland, I always thought that that was a nice area. I mean, there's there's always weird history everywhere you look. I know, right? Yeah. So they were drugged, kidnapped, or just knocked out, and then dropped or dragged into tunnels and through trapdoors. And these trapdoors were called deadfalls. Is this like a trapdoor kind of like in Sweeney Todd kind yes. of thing? Oh, my exactly. God. Okay. So then they were held in specially designed prison cells mm-hmm. and held captive until they were ready to be shipped off. So they would hold them captive until like right before the ship set sail and then like stuff them on the ship so they couldn't get off and like leave. Uh, researchers estimate that nearly 1,500 people a year were shanghaied out of Portland. 1,500 That's a an insane year? number. So there are plenty of stories, plenty of diaries of men who were shanghaied and they tell the story of these like indentured, this like servitude that they went on and they could be gone as much as six years because a trip to asia and back could take as long as six years so six years of their life lost with zero money yeah and then if you're the only woman on ship i feel like once again we state history is not kind to women not kind to women also (laughs) not kind to men in the story either no one gets out alive all right maybe they got out alive but certainly not unharmed so while there was no physical or historic written evidence to state that this ever happened inside the portland tunnels but there is a persistent oral history like throughout any of the History Channel shows that you watch, any of the Travel Channel shows, they always talk about these tunnels. And, you know, there's tours that go down there and it's just persistent. People just swear up and down that it's just too convenient that there exists this system of tunnels underneath this area of town mm-hmm. and it brings you directly to the water. So there's no, like, evidence per se, None. but there is an oral communication. Right. And so all of those stories tend to be similar, so the more similar the stories, the more real it right, feels. But it, right. So there were stories in newspapers about people Based being Shanghai, but they never talked about it happening in the tunnel. So I guess the point is that even though there's a persistent oral history, mm-hmm. why wouldn't that have been in the newspaper? Oh, yeah, yeah. If, it, if they're talking about the act, why wouldn't they mention? Yeah. No. No. I, why is that a term now being Shanghai? Like why? Because this took place everywhere. This took place in port cities everywhere. There's a significant amount of certain laws that made this possible. Mm-hmm. I'll talk about them briefly in just a minute though so even though this persistent oral history remains there's no actual proof but there is a man named michael p jones who is says he's writing a book and he states that he has indisputable evidence that this happened he's a historian out of portland Mm -hmm. but the book is not so i'm gonna talk a little bit more about shanghai the people who did the Shanghai were called crimps, like crimping <laughs> your hair, C-R-I-M-P-S, crimps. And they flourished in port cities like Portland, London, Seattle, San Francisco, New York, Baltimore, Boston. So wow. the act of Shanghai or crimping, the practice of kidnapping people to serve as sailors by coercive uh, techniques such as trickery, intimidation, or violence. On the East Coast, New York was first and Portland was first on the West Coast. So a combination of laws, economic conditions, a shortage of experience, sailors led to the spread of this practice during the mid-19th century. These practices were allowed to flourish with the help of police, politicians, and business leaders. So essentially, once a sailor was signed onto a ship, it was illegal for him to leave the ship until the voyage's end. The penalty for leaving the ship was prison. But what could have been better then? Stay on the ship forever or prison? And right. then being I, let out of prison within I did, a couple I, years. I did not ha- find out how long. So many sailors abandoned ships in large numbers when they got to the West Coast because they were all rushing to the California Gold Rush. Oh. So that increased the amount of people who were deserting the ships. So that led to the increased need for more and more sailors. An intense increase of kidnapping. 
Yes, and an intense <laughs> increase of people being kidnapped. This flourished um, especially because of this particular position these people called boarding masters. And it was their job to find crews for the ships, right? So mm-hmm. their, their whole job is to find, you know, these men were paid by the physical body that they provided. So the incentive to get the ships fully staffed was incredibly high um, and to get it done as quickly as possible. Uh, the payment they received, they refer to it as blood money. So out of this wow. story... okay, so that's where that... that you're getting a lot from, of, yeah. you know, I got Shanghai. It's like a slavery recruiter. Yes. So one of the most popular ways for a crimp to get a man on a ship. A crimp. A crimp. Was to render him unconscious with knockout drops or by simply just knocking him over the head, forging his signature on the ship's articles, and then they would just uh, take those papers to the ship's captain and collect their money. I can't, I can't even. So as if <laughs> stealing someone and selling them to work on a ship, as if that's not bad enough, these lovely gentlemen went even further. So oh, no. they just wanted to make a little bit more money, you know, because $50 a head wasn't enough. We're talking about like late 19th, early 20th century. Many instances a sailor would uh, get an advance mm-hmm. on his pay before he got on the ship. So he could buy certain items that he may need during the journey, mm-hmm. certain supplies. So many very uh, astute boarding masters would just go ahead and decide, well, you know what would be awesome? How about I'm the person who has those supplies? So not only am I selling the man, now I'm getting money from the ship's owner for supplies, supplies for this man out of his wages. So this was against their earnings. And they would mark these supplies up like crazy. So not only are they selling a man to a ship, but they're also selling things to the ship out of the man's wages. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Because they would, not, they would not give the sailor himself the uh, wage advance because they were afraid they would just take it and abandon ship. Yeah. Right? Well, not for nothing, but you're kidnapping this guy that is at a bar. He has nothing on him to begin with. So now you're taking him to a place with just the clothes on his back and whatever he has on his wallet that you, that you probably already took. And then you're going to sell something else to his captain and you're going to get deducted for it. No, no way. Right. So therefore, you know, one of these crimps who was like really enterprising and a real go-getter would provide these materials at incredibly inflated prices and take mm-hmm. as much as four months salary. So some crimps during this time made as much as $9,500 a year. What a crimp. What a crimp. <laughs> wow. So in parentheses, I put inflation calculator because I wanted to look up the inflation on $9,500. Four months wages. And like, mind you, all right, so the guy is getting room and board and also food. We're going to call it room and board and we're going to call it food. I'm sure that these accommodations Oh, I'm being nice. (laughs) So another way that these uh, crimps or boarding masters would influence things is they would run for public office. And many of them, especially in San Francisco and New York, ran for... I hate all of this. Yeah. I don't like it. (laughs) So they would run for office. So they would ensure that their practices would continue. One of the ways that they influenced politics was that they actually got the keepers of the boarding houses to supply the sailors on election day. And the phrase vote early and vote often actually comes from the practice of having these men go to many different places and vote throughout a day. So they would break the elections because they would always be voting for the person who promoted these practices. And then what? And then they keep these ballots and they put it towards... Yeah, it was like stuffing the ballot box. Right. Like you just take them to a bunch of different places over and over all throughout the day. Crimping was actually prevalent well into the 20th century as the demand for sailors to travel to Alaska and the Klondike continued. The Klondike, more than an ice cream bar. So a series of laws over 50 years actually brought an end to the practice. In 1872, a law was passed that when a sailor signed up to board a ship, it actually had to be done in the presence of a shipping commissioner. Thank you. A witness. Thank you so much. Just a witness. 
are you unconscious? Oh, I'm sorry. Then we can't let him on board. Right. Yeah. So they couldn't just show up with the papers already signed. It actually had to be signed in front of somebody. Um, Also in 1884, uh, this law limited the ability for people to receive a sailor's pay. So only a close relative could receive a sailor's pay. It couldn't go to a person who was supplying goods. Yes. I find it so fascinating. Like after reading this, you know, we're getting towards the end. But after reading all of that, I thought I couldn't believe that there's no evidence that the tunnels that I know as the Shanghai tunnels were never used to Shanghai anybody. And I was like, well, shit. And people pay a lot of money to go on these tours. And they and show them. happened in them. And they show them trapdoors. Yeah. And they show them all the ways How that exciting. like. Yeah. But then it's like. So why does this history remain? Why do people keep telling this story? I think that there might actually be more to the story that we don't really actually know yet. I think that everything is just said by word. Right. And then, then also that you wonder, like, what would the proof be, right? So, like, I guess they're, like, saying that because there's no newspaper articles about it. I guess the proof are in the tunnels. I think that if and they, they sent archaeologists down there and they can't nothing? find what evidence would you be looking for, right? For of a man or a woman kidnapped and brought to another place. Like what would that leave behind 120 to 160 years later? Maybe a hair because then the hair would have the evidence of a t- toxicology. You know, like, like a toxicology. I, yeah, I, mean, I don't think you could get toxicology off a 130 year old hair that's in a sewer tunnel. You never know. You never know. <sighs> Growing animals in bags. You never know. Anyway. So that was the incredibly disappointing story of the Shanghai Tunnels. Anything left, Robin? No, that was not disappointing. I'm actually extremely surprised that all of this happened in the Portland area. In Portland. So green. So hipster. That's the story of the Shanghai Tunnels of Portland, Oregon. Just another notorious narrative. Have a show idea? Send it on over to us along with any questions, comments, or corrections to NotoriousNarratives at gmail.com. You can follow us on our Instagram at NotoriousNarratives and Twitter at NotoriousTales. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Every review helps other listeners to find us. Thanks so much.